calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook of The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. The Starter is also available as an ebook and as an ad free, unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash The Starter. Time for Sports Headlines! All Galaxy quality content taken from the pages of the INS City Gazette. And here is the latest from Toy at the Inquisitive. Dateline New York City, Earth, Planetary Union. GFL officials today announced the schedule for the 2683 season. Following their successful year and first place finish in the Tier 2 tournament, the INF Krakens earned promotion to Tier 1. Ionath was placed in the Planet Division, replacing the demoted Free Birds, who finished the 2682 Tier 1 season with a record of 1 and 11. The Planet Division has 11 teams. The Krakens play each team once, and also have two cross divisional games with teams from the Solar Division, plus one bye week, which makes for a 12 game, 13 week schedule. In week one, they visit the Isis Ice Storm of the Tower Republic, who finished last year with a record of 7 and 5. In week two, the Krakens come home to host the Femola Dreadnoughts of the Quith Concordia, who finished last year with a record of 5-7. and seven. Week three, home again against the 3-9 and nine Shora Chieftains in a cross-divisional game. Shora Chieftains, of course, are from the Hurrah Tribal Accord. Week four, it's off to the Key Empire to face the Toe Pirates, who finished last year at 10-2. and two. Then, a home game against the Wabash Wolfpack, formerly known as the Wabash Wall, of the Tower Republic. Last year, Wabash finished with an impressive 9-3 record. Week 6 is a bye week, followed up with a big road trip. First to the Lou Juggernauts of the Key Empire, 8-4. Then to the Alamum Armada of the Sklorno Dynasty, 4-8. And, and finishing up the road trip with the Coronada Delana Cloud Killers of the Hurrah Tribal Accord, who last year finished up with a lowly 3-9. In Week 10, the Krakens host the Yall Criminals of the Sklerno Dynasty, who last year finished at 11-1. Then another home game against the Hitoni Hullwalkers from the League of Planets, who were an even 6-6. Six six. The second-to-last game of the season is another cross-divisional outing against the Jupiter Jacks of the Planetary Union, who finished last year at 10-2. And, and the final game, the Krakens come home to face the Mars Planets, also from the Planetary Union, who finished last year at 4-8. and eight. The question on everyone's mind, are the Krakens demotion-bound? The Krakens' primary objective this season is to win more games than at least one other Planet Division team. 
The team in the Planet Division with the most losses is demoted down to Tier 2 to be replaced by one of the teams that reaches the championship game of the Tier 2 tournament. For reference, keep in mind that the Freebirds won the Tier 2 tournament in 2681 to earn promotion, then proceeded to lose 11 games in the 2682 Tier 1 season and went right back down again. In the past 10 Tier 1 seasons, six of the teams that won promotion were demoted the following season. So what is the magic number of victories to stay in Tier 1? Well, the Freebirds were by far the worst team in Tier 1. With them demoted, most analysts agree the teams in danger of demotion are the Coronada Delana Cloud Killers, the Mars Planets, and your Ionath Krakens. Ionath likely has to win at least three games to avoid demotion. Ionath faces almost certain defeat against the Planet Division's dominant franchises, including the Toe Pirates, the Wabash Wolfpack, and the All Criminals. The Kraken's two cross-divisional games are a split. The good news? One of those games is against the perennial Solar Division demotion contender, the Shore Chieftains. The bad news? The other cross-divisional game is against the 2682 GFL champion, Jupiter Jacks. But what about a Cinderella run for the playoffs? While the odds of the Krakens making the T1 playoffs are just a bit lower than every star in the galaxy simultaneously going supernova, this column wouldn't be complete without providing playoff math. It's simple. The four Planet Division teams with the best records go to the single elimination tournament. In the case of equal records, the tiebreaker is head-to-head -head results. Last year, in 2682, the four Planet Division playoff qualifiers finished with records of 11-1, 10-2, 9-3, and 8-4 and respectively. As we just mentioned, before the Krakens land eight wins this season... Every sentient in the galaxy would die in the burning gases of their suns expanding at nearly the speed of light. Scientific translation, it's not going to happen. This has been Sports Headlines, taken straight from the pages of the INS City Gazette. Brought to you by Junkie Jim. Junkie Jim tastes like a touchdown every time. The crowd parted before the two huge humans. Quentin and John Tweedy walked down the street, afternoon light playing down through the arcing city dome high overhead. They were trying, and failing, to blend in. They wore nondescript clothes, jeans, sweatshirts with hoods up, sunglasses. Tweedy also wore a strap that circled from his left shoulder to his right hip. It had nine mag-can-sized pouches. Eight carried cans of beer while one held a pint of junky gin. The strap was the fashion accessory he never seemed to be without, the thing he lovingly called his beard leer Other than the beard leer John wore nothing that called attention to his status as a football star. But at six foot six, 310 pounds, there was only one human on the entire street bigger than he was, and that human was Quentin. With 380 solid pounds gracing his seven-foot frame, Quentin towered over everyone. They walked through Ionath City's middle northwest quadrant, the busy nightclub district. It should have come as no surprise that any John Tweedy contact would be in this area, as this area seemed to be the only place he went. Quentin pointed to one of the towering buildings, where someone was hanging one end of an orange and black Kraken's banner from a 15-story window, the other end reaching across a narrow gap to a neighboring building. They're going all out for this parade, Quentin said. That why you brought me this way? 
Sort of, John said. Our guy's office is on Fifth Ring Road anyway, but thought you'd like to see the whole city ramping up for the parade. Quentin nodded. He was happy to see the preparations. Banners and flags of orange and black, crowd barriers being put up, general spit and polish on all areas for the parade that would kick off in a few hours. Some fans were already camped out behind the barriers, staking their places for the festivities. If this was how they celebrated promotion into Tier 1, Quentin could only imagine what they would do for a Galaxy Bowl victory. The nightclub district ran along Fifth Ring Road. Fifth Ring was at the midpoint of the Dome's convex arc, the inner point where the mostly red, hexagonal buildings started getting smaller, going from the 40-story affairs at the city center to one-story flats at the Dome's edge. In the nightclub district, bars and restaurants packed the first two floors of almost every building. Fake exteriors done in hundreds of styles, colorful lights temporarily drowned out by the afternoon sun, holo signs and other decorations calling out to potential patrons. Smooth red crystal started at the third floor and rose 20 to 30 stories above. Fifth ring looked like the other ring roads, the wide dip of the maglev train track in the middle, supporting public transit cars that circled the city. On either side of the track, two lanes of road for cabs, trucks, and private cars. Outside lanes always carried clockwise traffic. Inside lanes always ran counterclockwise. Pedestrian traffic tended to match this clockwise-counterclockwise pattern. John and Quentin were on the outside sidewalk, circling north. They walked among a diverse crowd made up mostly of quith workers, but also peppered with plenty of key, human, and heavy G sentience. It was only noon, and the area was already bustling. By the time the sun went down, the nightclub district would be so packed it could take ten minutes to exit one bar, go down the street a few buildings, and enter the next one. Despite the sweatshirt hoods, Quentin saw occasional smiles of recognition. He tried to ignore them, and just kept walking. It's jumping, Quentin said. Seems busy for this early in the afternoon. Oh, it's a big sports day, John said. All kinds of stuff going down. Big hover Esadari race out in the waist, so sentients are packing the bars to watch live coverage. Sklorno Soccer Championship League tourneys in the Final Four. That was last night, but it's just broadcasting now. Oh, and in a few hours, the Dinolition Derby signal reaches us from the League of Planets. I got some big bucks on little Pete Poughkeepsie's team. Dinolition? John stopped in the middle of the sidewalk. You haven't seen Dinolition? Quentin shook his head. Haven't even heard of it. And you believe in a higher being scrolled across John's face. You think things are rough in the GFL? Try being a dwarf in turtle armor riding a seven-ton T-Rex into a death match. You're kidding, right? Hell no, John said. Dead serious. So yeah, a lot going on makes today a major sporgy. Sporgy? An orgy of sports, John said. Sports, orgy, sporgy. And look, man, I want to help you find your parents and all, but I got games to watch, so can we just get moving? John looked annoyed. He shook his head, then started walking again. Quentin walked with him, not bothering to say that John had been the one to stop in the first place. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to take a second to tell you about a podcast I think you'll really like, Mayday. No one is prepared for disaster. No one knows exactly how they'll react in a plane crash, an earthquake, or when a lone gunman decides to open fire. On Mayday, you'll hear about the people who had to find out, people whose stories deserve to be heard. Join hosts Maya Nalani and Luke Welland as they tell you about extraordinary people who found themselves in extraordinary circumstances. Listen to Mayday wherever you get your podcasts. So, Quentin said, this guy is good? The best. Hey, you want a beer? Quentin shook his head. He wanted to be totally sober for this. It felt good to finally take a step toward finding his parents. And yet, the fear lingered. What if he found out they were both dead? Then he was alone. No family at all. His teammates, sure, but no real family. Tweedy drained his beer and tossed the mag can over his shoulder. It hit a passing Quith warrior in the head. Hey, human, the Quith warrior said. You pick that up. Tweedy stopped, smiled, and turned around. Quentin sighed. They were trying to keep a low profile, lest any of Greedock's gang see them, and maybe figure out what Quentin was up to. Quentin turned as well. The offended Quith warrior was normal for his species, which was to say he was much smaller than John Tweedy. Quentin had grown so used to being around Virac the Mean, Chodo the Bright, and his other Quith warrior teammates that he'd forgotten how big they were relative to their species just like he was big for his. The warrior wore gray pants that covered his folded-up lower legs. He wore no shirt, exposing his pale orange torso and big lower arms. A few enamels decorated his carapace, but nothing like the full-body art of Irak and Chodo. The pedipalp arms on either side of the warrior's head twitched. Quentin thought he saw a tinge of pink flicker through the warrior's single, baseball-sized eye. You talking to me? John said his smile growing even wider, his face scrolling the bright words, free trips to Deathville, get your ticket punched here. The crowd started to part, giving John, Quentin, and the Quith Warrior plenty of room. John, Quentin said, now's not the time. John shrugged. Not up to me, up to Mr. Happy Public Helper here. John pointed to the empty mag can. What do you say, Mr. Happy Public Helper? You want to do something about that trash on the ground? The Quith Warrior looked at John, then at Quentin, then back. The pink color faded, replaced by swirling yellow. John Tweedy? The Warrior said. Oh, I am a huge fan. Can I have your autograph? The Warrior reached into one of his pants pockets. Quentin flinched, took a half step back to run, but the Warrior pulled out a message board that he offered to John. John sighed, then took the board and signed it. And you? The Warrior said to Quentin. Are you Barnes? Really? Quentin nodded. John passed over the message board, which Quentin quietly signed and handed back to the warrior. Oh, thank you. Such an honor. And good luck this season. Go Krakens! The warrior put the message board back in his pocket, picked up the mag can, then continued down the sidewalk. John, Quentin said, I thought we were supposed to keep a low profile. Hey, I can't help it if I'm so damn pretty, John said. It sucks, though. Sentience recognized me too fast. 
almost impossible to get into a decent brawl these days. I even get recognized when I go to Orbital Station 1 to see my brother Jew. Now that we're in Tier 1, it's going to be even worse. Quentin thought back to the minds of McCovey, where a similar minor altercation could quickly escalate into a lethal fight. John, why would you want to start something like that? What if the warrior had a weapon? Hard to get a weapon inside the dome, Q. The Quith aren't big on their citizens and workers getting shot or stabbed every ten minutes. Most conflicts end as a straight-up fight. And when it comes to a straight-up fight, I'm kind of good. I noticed, Quentin said, thinking back to the fight at the bootleg arms bar. He and several other Krakens had tried to pay off Don Pine's gambling debt to Mopuk the Sneaky. Mopuk, living up to his name, had refused to take the money. A game-tanking GFL quarterback was far more valuable than the millions Don owed. Mopuk's bodyguards tried to attack Quentin, but they ran afoul of Virak, Choto, several key linemen, and John Tweedy. John used his bare hands to kill two Quith warrior toughs, one by punching through the single eye to the brain behind, one by snapping its thick neck. When it came to a brawl, John Tweedy was one bad man. I've studied how to fight, Tweedy said. So many different styles. That's how I spend the off-season, at least when we have an off-season. I even did some pro-fighting, did you know that? Quentin shook his head. I had no idea. How did you do? Real good, but you can't succeed in that sport without mods. If I certified as a pro-fighter, which you have to do in order to get mods, then no football. So why did you choose football? I'm a better football player than a fighter, John said. I make a load of money in football, but I'd be lucky to even earn a living in the octagon. I can't even beat up my brother, Jew. He had a few pro fights, even sparred against Kyle North. The heretic? Quentin said. You're kidding me, right? Nope. Jew is the baddest man I know. Kyle whooped him. Kyle's a hero where I come from, Quentin said. We don't exactly have a lot of intergalactic sports stars coming out of the purest nation. Last night's fight? Such a tragedy. John nodded sadly. A real shame he died right there in the octagon against Korak the Cutter, but what about? I mean, my man Kyle used his own shin bone to stab Korak. That's why the heretic is the champ, whatever it takes to win. Was the champ, Quentin said. Dead men don't hold titles. John shrugged. Korak died first, so Kyle won the bout. He died the champ. Hey man, if I have to die to win a Galaxy Bowl, I'd do it in a heartbeat. A championship is immortality, Q. Immortality! Quentin shook his head and started to argue, but stopped when he realized that he felt the same way. Quentin had long ago decided he would do anything needed to win a GFL Tier 1 title. Anything. Was he so different then from Kyle the Heretic North, who had died winning the undisputed heavyweight title? John stopped walking and looked up at a 20-story red building on his left. This is it, Q. We're here. He turned to look at Quentin. John stared with wide crazy eyes. His eyes always looked like that, except for when he was on the football field, when they were wider and crazier, which was bad, or when they crinkled in time with one of his psycho smiles, which was far, far worse. Don't you embarrass me in there, John said. None of your hayseed hickosity. This is a serious guy I'm introducing you to. A serious guy. What makes you think I'd embarrass you? John shook his head. The words dumb spelled backwards as bemud scrolling across his face. He opened the door and walked in. Quentin followed. Maybe they were past the edge of the nightclub district, because this place looked like some kind of an office building. Quentin looked around, suddenly realized something odd. 
Aside from a couple of nightclubs, he hadn't seen the inside of anything in INF City other than the Kraken's building. Outside, all the buildings were varying shades of red. This lobby, all white. In the middle of the lobby, a quith worker sat behind a circular desk. A couple of scarred key wearing green uniforms stood on either side. They looked out of shape, perhaps, but they also had that aura of ex-soldiers or former cops. Whatever their past, now they worked office building security. John strode to the reception desk like he owned the place. The key on either side didn't have to turn their heads to watch him, what with their 360-degree vision and all, but you could tell they were instantly paying close attention to the two massive humans. The quith worker behind the desk wasn't like the slovenly ones Quentin often saw in the bars and nightclubs, swilling gin, nearly drinking themselves into a coma. This one was dressed in a tidy green uniform. The worker reminded Quentin of Masal the Efficient, the Kraken's team manager. The worker recognized John, and his one eye flooded with yellow. Well, Mr. John... John held up a hand, cutting off the worker's sentence. I'm Mr. Smith, John said. That person you thought you just saw, he was never here. John pulled the pint of junky gin out of his beer to leer. The worker looked at it greedily, then tapped a couple of buttons that probably turned off cameras somewhere in the lobby. Well, Mr. Smith, that is a rather nice gift. Look at the label, John said. The worker did, then started to quiver. This, this is actually signed by Yitzhak Goldman? The man himself, John said. I'm going to head up. Got some business upstairs. You'll make sure there's no images of us, right? The worker nodded violently, a difficult maneuver considering his relative lack of a neck. No one will know you and your friend were here. John wrapped his knuckles on the desk twice, then walked around it, heading for the elevators. Quentin followed. An elevator hissed open, and they got in. John pressed a button for the 15th floor. John, what was that all about? An autographed bottle of gin? Stuff is like gold, John said. Really expensive. The workers are crazy for it. And a signature from Itzhak? That worker will do whatever we ask. Yeah, but why wouldn't you use my autograph? I'm the starting quarterback. John pulled a fresh Miller from the beer to leer and popped the top. The mag can frosted up instantly. Get used to it, Q. He drained half the can. The quith are going to root for you like crazy, but no matter what you do, they will always like their own better. Yitzhak's the native son, and that's that. Quentin still found it odd the quith adored a human that much. Yitzhak wasn't even their species. Zach's family had lived on Ionath, going back something like three generations. He'd been born right here under the Ionath city dome. It seemed the quith didn't see race. They only saw borders. You didn't have to be a quith to be a Concordia citizen. You just had to want to be part of the Concordia. Learn the culture, learn the history, swear allegiance to the Concordia above all others, all others including your original homeland, and the quith would welcome you with open pedipalps. The elevator stopped. Quentin followed John out. The lobby hadn't looked new, but it had been neat and clean. Everything on this floor seemed damaged. The place smelled musty. The walls had once been smart paper, but no longer had the ability to flicker images and patterns. Now, the material just sagged. Splatters of dried brown covered one spot. John, Quentin said, and pointed to the stain. Is that blood? John finished his mag can and tossed it down the hall. Yeah, probably. A lot of private investigators in this building, some bounty hunters and the like. Everyone needs an office for tax purposes, you know?
Quentin nodded, although he really had no idea how taxes worked. John stopped in front of a door marked with a placard that showed one line repeated in 15 languages. Quentin read the line in English. Suite 1510, Gonzaga Investigations. Remember, John said, don't embarrass me. He knocked on the door. Quentin heard a buzzing sound, then metallic clicks, which sounded like several big deadbolts sliding back. The door opened and John walked in. Quentin followed, glancing at the edge of the door as he did. Holes in the thick door were an inch in diameter. The door's frame had matching, recessed circles. When the door was closed and the bars extended, a hover tank probably couldn't get through. The office was a long room with walls and floors made out of irregular, flat red stones. At the end of the room sat a white desk. Behind the white desk, a man dressed in a business suit made out of some shiny pink material. In front of the desk, two white chairs. Above the two white chairs, something that looked like a stubby-legged horse all done up in a frilly green, blue, and yellow material. Quentin stopped in his tracks. The whole thing made him feel oddly uncomfortable. He pointed to the strange, frilly horse. John, what's that? That's a piñata. What's a piñata? A piñata, the man in pink said, is fabulous. Uncle Johnny Boy the Awesome, walk your muscles over here and bring that delicious quarterback with you. Quentin stared at the man. Something off about him. Something that made Quentin nervous. John walked to the left side chair and sat, leaving Quentin standing alone and feeling like an idiot. Quentin walked to the right side chair and sat, looking up as he did. Whatever a piñata was, he was sitting directly under its green, blue, and yellow horse ass. Quentin Barnes, John said. Meet Frederico Esteban Gasipe Ganada. Gonzaga, the man said. But that was very close, John. Tweedy nodded. Fabulous to meet you, Mr. Barnes. Or should I call you Elder? Frederico seemed overly excited about the whole situation. And the way he'd said Elder... All smiles, but the word was laced with hatred. Quentin is fine, thanks. Well, Quentin, you certainly are a big boy, aren't you? Uh, Quentin said. Well, he was much bigger than Frederico. Hard to tell while the man was sitting, but Frederico might be six foot even. If so, that made Quentin a full foot taller. Frederico looked athletic, but couldn't have been more than 200 pounds. Next to Quentin, he looked anorexic. So, Frederico said, Uncle Johnny tells me you're just a lost little lonely heart. I'm, what? You need help finding your parents, your family, Frederico said. I think you came to the right place. At least, your pretty eyes came to the right place. Quentin stared at the man, then at John. John shrugged. Uh, yeah, Quentin said. That's right, I want to find my parents. So you can kiss them with that big pouty mouth of yours? Quentin leaned back. Had this guy just called his mouth pouty? Why would a guy say that? Unless... Quentin grabbed John's arm. Tweety, can I have a word with you? John nodded. Quentin led him to the back of the office. What is this? Quentin said. Why is he talking about my eyes and stuff? He said he thinks they're pretty. John said, matching Quentin's volume. It's like you don't listen or something. Yeah, but he's a guy. Why would a guy think my eyes are pretty? (sighs) Maybe backwater because he thinks guys are prettier than girls. Quentin stared and blinked, the words hitting home. 
You mean he's gay? Like, like a homosexual? Tweedy dug the heel of his right hand into his right eye. Some men you just can't reach scrolled across his forehead. Yeah, Q, John said. Maybe he's gay. Are you going to tell me that after all you've been through with big scary aliens and working in the mines and gangsters and round bugs, you're afraid of a little gay guy? I'm not afraid, Quentin said. It's just that, well, you know, he's, it's a, a what, Q? Is being gay a sin? Did High One make stupidity or did it evolve on its own? Scrolled across John's face. Quentin felt his temper rising. Listen, jerk, don't ridicule my culture, you got that? I was raised to believe certain things. Certain things. You mean things like all aliens, including your teammates, are actually the spawn of Satan and should be killed on sight? Well, no. That part's just ridiculous. Why? Because now I know aliens. And how many gays do you know? Quentin blinked. He looked across the room at Federico. Including this guy? Yeah. Well, one. Tweedy nodded. Look, man, you asked for help and I delivered. Frederico is the best. You need someone found? You need to sneak into a system? This is the guy. And he's ex-planetary Union Navy or something. He can fly any ship. If you want to find your parents, hire Frederico. Unless you'd rather go to Greedock with your troubles. Quentin automatically shook his head. No way. I'm not giving the splithead any more leverage on me. Such wisdom from such a primitive screwhead, John said. You'd be an idiot not to use Frederico. But then again, purism produces a buttload of idiots. Quentin felt his fingers curl up into fists. John, I am warning you. You keep insulting my religion, and it's going to go somewhere neither one of us wanted to. You don't even like your religion. I like it enough to defend it. John rolled his eyes. Fine. Give Frederico a chance, and I'll lay off. Just talk to him. If you don't think he can cut the gig, we take off, okay? Quentin looked at Frederico. Shiny pink shoes up on the desk, big smile on his face. Frederico saw Quentin looking, put his fingers to his mouth, kissed them, held his hand in front of his face, and blew. He just blew me a kiss, Quentin said. Better than him giving you the finger. Yeah, but he just blew me a kiss. <sighs> Quentin, aren't you a professional athlete? Yeah. He's 200 pounds tops. You weigh twice as much as him. You think he's got a homo stun gun or something? Maybe a magic spell of gayness that makes you want to dance and sing show tunes. Well, no. Then stop being you. You come sit down with me now, or I'm heading to the bar to watch Dino Lition. What's it going to be? Quentin looked up at the ceiling and sighed. He knew he was being ridiculous, but it was hard to get past a lifetime of rhetoric. He had once thought the Sklorno, the Quith, and the Key were satanic. He'd gotten over that. Maybe he'd get over this as well. He walked to Frederico's desk and sat in the chair on the right. John sat in the left side chair. He pulled the mag can of Miller from the beer to Lear. Sorry, he said, and reached across the desk to offer Frederico the can. Frederico took it, popped the top, and sipped. He put the can down and stared at Quentin. So, you're okay with me doing this job? Quentin took a deep breath. Look, I may have reacted, uh... Poorly. I, um, I'm not used to, well, to this. Frederico shrugged. That's fine. You're the client. Pay the bill on time and you can act pretty much any way you like. But please answer my question. Are you okay with me being gay? You'll still hire me? Quentin nodded. Yeah, sure. I'll hire you. Wow. You didn't think I would? 
Frederico shrugged. You're from the purest nation. Everyone from the purest nation is a racist, homophobic hate monger. Millions of people are from the purest nation. Don't judge me as a stereotype. We're not all the same. I suppose not, Frederico said. The over-the-top exuberance had left his voice. He didn't sound girly anymore. He sounded like a regular guy. Now, you know I charge a lot, right? Not really spending my money on anything else, Quentin said. I mean, well, this is my family, you know? Frederico nodded slowly. I hear you. Well, as long as your money is good, that's what matters to me. I hate you nationalites, but I'm doing this as a favor for John. John raised his mag cannon salute and belched. Frederico laughed and shook his head. You're one of a kind, Uncle Johnny the Awesome. Frederico waved both hands over his desk. Lines of light flared to life in front of him. A holo interface. The middle of the desk changed appearance, going from white to clear. Quentin couldn't see from where he was sitting, but there was likely a recessed screen inside the desk. Frederico's fingertips poked at icons made of nothing but light. Okay, Quentin, he said. Tell me what you know. Their last name was Barnes. Frederico entered that. First names? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? They were your parents. I was really little, Quentin said. They were just mom and dad to me. What happened to them? I don't know. They disappeared when I was two, maybe three. I'm not sure. So, probably 17 years ago, about 2666? Yeah, Quentin said. How'd you know that? Quentin felt an elbow hit his arm. Because he's good, John said. That's why. Frederico shook his head and reached under his desk. I am good, John, but this one was easy. Frederico tossed a paper magazine in the desktop. Quentin turned it so he could read the cover. Kraken's Insider. Kraken's versus Wall Crawlers. Game program, Frederico said. Has your age right in there. John's eyes widened in stunned admiration. That's amazing! CQ, I told you this guy was good! Frederico laughed to himself and entered more info. How about sisters, Quentin? Brothers? Just one brother. They hung him when I was five. The detective shook his head and made a sound with his mouth. Right. Let me guess. A really awful crime like stealing food? Yeah. How did you know? Quentin felt the elbow hit his left arm again. He turned to see John, nodding slightly, eyebrows raised. I told you this guy was good, scrolled across his head. You're not my first Nationalite client, Frederico said. You'd be surprised how unoriginal your story is. They hang people for all kinds of things. They save burning at the stake for heretics, though. Heretics. And what else, Quentin? Quentin felt his face flush red. Come on, Frederico said. Who else do they burn at the stake? Homosexuals, Quentin said. Frederico nodded. You ever see someone burned at the stake? Quentin nodded slowly. He had seen that. Many times. So have I the detective said. He shook his head quickly, like he was chasing away an annoying memory. Right, and your brother's name? Quincy, Quentin said. I think. I called him... Frederico stopped entering data and looked at him. I need all the info I can get, Quentin. A nickname is just as valuable to me as the real thing. What did you call him? John sat patiently, also waiting. Quentin knew he would never hear the end of this. Fine, Quentin said. I remember calling him Kin Kin because I couldn't pronounce Quincy. 
Frederico nodded and tapped icons. Quentin tried not to look at Tweety, but he couldn't help himself. He turned to see John staring at him with a stone-straight face, the words, We'll find Kinkin, Didums, scrolling across his forehead. Quentin sighed and turned his attention back to the detective. What else? Frederico said. Aunts? Uncles? Who took care of you after High One smote your brother for the horribly sacrilegious crime of murdering bread? I was an orphan, Quentin said. I was on my own. Should I tell you about the orphanage system? No, Frederico said. I know quite a lot about that subject, unfortunately. Uh, let's talk money. I charge 10000 a week plus expenses. If you don't pay within a day of getting the bill, I drop the case, and I don't come back no matter what you do, understand? Quentin nodded. Good, Frederico said. Now listen carefully. Just because I've handled cases like this before doesn't mean I want you to get your hopes up. I'll be honest with you. Odds are that your parents died in a pogrom, that they were incinerated in a mass grave, and there's no record of their death. They're just gone, and you'll never know different. If they did get out of the purest nation, they probably changed their name, abandoned their religion, and assumed you were dead. Or, more likely, they knew that if they contacted you, an enemy of theirs still in the nation might find you and kill you to avenge some dead or family honor. The odds of finding out what happened to your parents are about one in a million. The odds of actually finding them? Let's just say you can't find a bookie anywhere in the galaxy that would take that bet. Quentin stared at the pink-suited man for a second, weighing the words carefully before speaking. So what you're saying is that I'm wasting my money, wasting ten grand a week on you. Why should I do that? Ten grand plus expenses, Frederico said. Don't forget that important little caveat. You should hire me because if your parents can be found, I'm the guy to find them. Quietly. I'm assuming you're here because you don't want Greedock the Splithead to know about your family? John sat forward quickly, beer sloshing out of his mag can. Unbelievable! Is this guy good, or is this guy good? Give it a rest, John. It's obvious I don't want Greedock to know. Yeah, John said. Sure, it's obvious, now that Fred has gone and said it out loud. I didn't see you figuring out that one before. I said it on the way here. John nodded, eyes wide. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like Fred knew what we were talking about. Like he's psychic. I am psychic, Frederico said. He put his fingers to his temples and stared at John. Right now you're thinking, this guy is really good. John stood up so fast the chair shot out from under him. He pointed a finger at the detective. You knocked that off, Fred, okay? That's just way too freakish. No disrespect to you, man, but I'm out of here, Frederico said. John dropped his mag can, took a step back, and held up both hands, palms out. You stop that, Fred! You get out of your head? John turned and ran out of the office. Quentin and Frederico watched him go, then faced each other. John's great, Frederico said but he's a real piece of work. Quentin nodded. Tell me about it. Look, Quentin, I won't waste your money. I am extremely talented at everything I do, this included. I'm worth twice as much, so I'm a bargain at this price. And if at any point I figure out I can't help you, I'm done. I won't charge you for work I can't finish. If you come up with something else that might help me, you remember anything, you call me. Frederico stood and held out his hand. Now the tough part. Can you shake a fag's hand? Quentin felt his face flush red. He was surprised to realize that he didn't even want to touch the man, 
just like when he'd landed on the touchback and hadn't wanted to touch Don Pine's skin because it was blue. But Quentin had overcome so many preconditioned prejudices, there was no point in stopping now. Quentin stood, towering over Frederico. Well, you're the first fag I've met, so let's give it a try. He forced himself to meet the man's stare as they shook. Know what, Quentin? What? You've got really pretty eyes. Quentin reactively yanked his hand free. Frederico laughed. Class is still in session, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. And I learned something today. Oh, what's that? That fags can be total jackasses, just like everybody else. Frederico laughed louder and applauded. Now you're getting it. And remember how I said that I excel at everything I do? That includes being a jackass. Quentin nodded, then walked into the hall to find John Tweedy wearing an empty beer delir and standing amidst a pile of three empty mag cans. Q, are you okay? Did he get inside your head? I'm fine, I'm fine, just calm down. How about we go get you a beer? The big linebacker nodded. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm a little freaked out. That guy is good, man. We can only hope, Quentin said. How about the bootleg arms? John nodded. The two Krakens left the building and headed for the bootleg arms, the club owned by Greedock, the Splithead. Welcome back to the galaxy's greatest damn sports show with Dan and Akbar and Tarek the Smasher. Hello, fans. I'm Dan Gianni, back once again to give you the greatest show in sports. As always, I am joined by Akbar Smith and Hall of Fame linebacker Tarek the Smasher. Thanks, Dan. Always happy to be here. So, guys, we got a full show today with just two topics. Why? Because those two topics are so big, we're going to be inundated with calls. So I take it we're talking about the Tier 2 expansion. I'm so excited I could just mold. Tarek, seriously, please don't. But absolutely, Tier 2 expansion. It's so exciting. It's not tradition. Tradition? What do you mean, tradition? Tradition means the way things have always been done, Dan. I know what tradition means, Smasha. What I'm saying is, what tradition? There are six Tier 2 conferences, Dan. Not eight, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now there are eight. How can you not be excited about the Wittok Kingdom being brought into the Galactic Fold with the Wittok Conference and adding a second human conference? It's brilliant. What the hell do you mean, it's brilliant? Brilliant means that it's inspired, highly intelligent. I know what brilliant means. Smasher, I'm saying that you just can't go adding leagues like that. And come on, Dan, saying that adding a Wittok conference is bringing the kingdom into the galactic fold, isn't that a little bit much? But much? Where the heck have you been for the past 20 years, Akbar? This is a major, major deal. Not just for sports, but for politics as well. The Wittok kingdom isn't controlled by the Kretorakians. First, it's a major sign that the kingdom has finally recovered from their losses in the Fourth Galactic War, and it marks the first normalization of relations with the Kretorakians since the Bat ceased hostilities in 2642. Here we are, 41 standard years later, and Wittok football teams will be part of the GFL. This means the galaxy is finally accepting peace, Akbar. Accepting? Tell that to those lunatics from the Zoroastrian Guild. Being ruled by the Bats isn't my definition of peace, it's my definition of subjugation. The Quith Concordia isn't subjugated. We live free. The Quith Concordia lives free. The Quith Concordia lives free every five minutes with that crap, Smasher. We know, okay? Trust me, we know. And besides, all the Wittok cities are underwater. 
So tell me how that's going to work in a game played on a field. Oh, Akba, now you're just being a pain in the ass. What about the Pacifica Dolphins? Their stadium is in the middle of an Earth ocean. Or how about the ISIS ice storm? Their stadium is something like a mile underwater. All the GFL requires is a playing field where oxygen-breathing players can operate in standard gravity. And the Wittock already have teams playing in the upper tiers, Akbar. Or did you forget about the Dachau War Dogs? Well, I suppose that's a good point. And I guess going from a 16-tier-2 playoff to an 18 makes for more drama. Absolutely. I always thought those buy games were a little confusing, okay? Now it's a straight-up 18 single elimination tournament with no buys. Last two teams standing, make it into Tier 1. Kind of makes you wonder if the Chillich Spider Bears and the Ionath Krakens would have been promoted if they hadn't had their first round buys in the most recent T2 tournament. Well, the Spider Bears would have made it in. They were undefeated and just fantastic last year. But the Krakens, maybe not without the first round buy. And speaking of the Ionath Krakens, that brings us to our second topic of discussion. The two Tier 1 teams with the worst records get demoted to Tier 2. Out of the 22 Tier 1 teams that start this season, gentlemen, which two are getting sent down at the season's end? Wait, you said speaking of the Krakens. You're saying the Krakens are going to get demoted? Aw, forget about it. Quentin Bonds might have been good enough to get INF through the Tier 2 tournament, but come on, they lost their starting running back, Mitchell the Machine Fayette. Rest in peace. The Krakens have no running game, and I don't think their secondary can stop any Tier 1 offense. I think Quentin Barnes may surprise you, Dan. He's a true warrior uh, in the making. Come on, a warrior? He's from the purest nation. No national-like quarterback has ever led a team to a Tier 1 championship. He'll be lucky to live long enough to fail and go back to Tier 2 and not in a body bag. That's enough of this. Let's go to the calls. Line 2 from Citadel in the Tower Republic. Go. Yeah, I want to know when the Lou Juggernauts are going to do some about the strong safety position. That's a good question. I mean, my Man, grandma could do better pass defense, and she's human. Well, you're just being ridiculous. can do pass defense. You have been listening to The Starter, Season 3 of the Galactic Football League Series. Written and performed by Scott Sigler. Produced by Ariok Morningstar with post-production by Steve Rickyberg. For more information on Scott and more free stories, go to scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song The Kids Are Coming For You by the band Superweapon. Superweaponband.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.